Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. This is the Adam Gold Show. I look forward to Wednesdays from 1 to 1.30-ish. At like 1.30-ish Wednesday. I look forward to the next Wednesday because we get to talk college football, college sports, life. With my friend Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, moderator of the Cover 3 podcast, who is wearing a collared shirt again today. I fear a jacket is not that far away from him. Uh, right, right over <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have a CBS Sports HQ hit coming up, or did we just do one? 1.40 p.m., we will be breaking down the largest outdoor cocktail party, mm. Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville, a scene unlike any other in college football, a house divided. <laughs> but they don't want to call it a cocktail party anymore. No, I think we decided on like the editorial side, don't throw it in a headline, but if you want to mention it offhand. Yeah, it's fun. The, it's what it is. Fine. Right. Well, college football is so beholden. Well, well we know why. Look, I, I understand the reasons why, reasons, why, reasons why. Just like Tennessee and Kentucky no longer play for a beer barrel. Remember when they used to play for a beer barrel? Now, good reasons why they don't anymore. But, uh, again, it's all about the uh, – I'm, sure I'm sure they drank beer out of an old oaken bucket. Uh, who's that? Is that uh, – that's uh, Minnesota, Michigan? Old that's oaken bucket? Or Purdue? Yeah. Who is it? Well, they produce the keg of nails against Indiana. Um, and that's just, and then we're not changing that to anything else. That's just a keg of nails. Um, but so we've got Paul, Paul Bunyan trophy is one of my favorite. The Paul rivalries. Bunyan acts, Wisconsin, Michigan, right? But the Paul Bunyan trophy is Michigan, Michigan state. Right. And it's oh, the it? little man. Like it is an actual statue of Paul Bunyan and probably about two and a half feet high. I Listen, we could do our own podcast on rivalry trophies in college football, including the civil conflict between uh, UConn <laughs> and, South and Central Florida. <laughs> well, that's going to go away, right? The civil oh, conflict will go away. When Bob Diaco was no longer the head coach at UConn, Scott Frost, UCF had won the last one, and they threw it in the closet somewhere, and it was <laughs> done. That's one of the great, one of the great attempts at becoming relevant in the history of college football was the civil conflict. You know what we should do? And I shouldn't, if I told you this, you'll study for it and you'll ace it, but you'd ace it anyway. A quiz, a match the trophy to the college football rivalry game. Maybe we'll do that on the show for a listener. See if they, uh, you know, if you can get... See what, see what grade you get. Do you get a passing grade? Do you get an A? Do you get a B? Do you get a C? Do you get a D? We're, let's talk about this is the last weekend to, not really the last weekend to impress the committee. They should have been paying attention from the beginning. But the committee starts spitting out the fake rankings starting on Tuesday. And again, as a public service announcement, and I will do this extensively on Tuesday, don't pay any attention to it. Don't try to glean any information from it because they don't matter until the last one comes out. Um, but if you had to take a stab at it right now, give me your four in order. Actually, give me your six in order because they always give us five and six. Right now, the I believe 
that the college football playoff selection committee, and this is like not with this weekend taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're probably going to put Tennessee number one. Okay. I think that right now the college football playoff selection committee would probably put Georgia number two, Ohio State at three, and Alabama at four, <laughs> Michigan at five, Clemson at six. So Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Alabama, Michigan, Clemson. Yes. That would be my guess as what they would do. All right. Um, what would you do? I, I'm, I, th- that was fascinating, uh, and it leads me to a thousand other questions. But uh, what okay. would you do? Wait for the end of the season? <laughs> yes. But I agree with you. I agree. So, we, we shouldn't do this. And then they, because it was so popular in terms of a television attraction, we started doing it for basketball, too. So do you want to hear what my bet? So I do fill out a weekly ballot for the CBS Sports 131. Sure. And like in that ballot, I think that I have Ohio State number one. Right. Yeah. And look, they do not have the resume Mm-mm. of the resume wins <laughs> that some of those other teams up in the top five have. But I, in my own personal you know, belief of how these teams stack up against each other, I think Ohio State is number one, and I look forward for them to be able to prove it, starting with not just whether they win or lose, but how they look in a difficult road environment at Happy Valley going up yeah. against Penn State this weekend, uh, the Michigan game at the end of the season. like those, All of these are going to be important data points to see whether or not I still think that's the case. I have Tennessee number two on my own personal right. ballot. I've got Georgia number three on my own personal ballot. I've got Clemson at five, and I've got Michigan at four. Clemson at five, Michigan at four. All right, yeah, and okay. you have Alabama. Okay. You have Alabama six. Correct. Right? All right. Um, I, I actually have not done it, but Tennessee has the best win, right? Yeah, Do that's what I think. Tennessee's got the best win, and also uh, they're all going to be able to point to the LSU victory as being very significant because I think that LSU mm-hmm. could find itself up inside the committee's top 25. Florida, LSU, and Alabama just looks good. And if they add a Kentucky win on top of that this weekend, that's just a kind of – in comparing these undefeated teams, to be able to just say that out loud, we've got an undefeated team with wins against Florida, LSU, Alabama, and Kentucky. Yeah. That that is better than anything that the other undefeated teams can say. Who has the second best win? Is it uh, Georgia with the with a forty nine to three win over Oregon in the opener? Possibly. I mean, certainly with the way that Oregon has just continued to roll ever since then, and how impressive that group has been uh, in improving. I yeah. mean, Docker, first year head coach, transfer quarterback, might not be all in sync in the first game of the season against a team like Georgia, especially against yeah. a team like Georgia in yeah. Atlanta. Like it, <laughs> I think the ducks uh, are the PAC 12's best chance to make the college football playoff. There are plenty of like, but what about USC and the USC brand name arguments, which could be fair, but in terms of, you know, what Oregon has done on yeah. paper since that season opener, I think, if they finish as a 12 and one Pac-12 champion with the only loss being to Georgia and Georgia is an SEC champion, then Oregon's going to have the best resume of anybody from the Big 12 or the Pac-12. Chip Patterson is here as he is every Wednesday. Um, yeah, Tennessee's got the best win. Georgia defending champs. And I mean, I, I don't think their schedule has been all that great. And I think that's, oh. we kind of 
lose sight over all of this is that and I want I'm going to play a clip from Joel Clad of Fox Sports that I want your take on in a second. Uh, but you and I have talked about this a lot over the last probably the last year, maybe longer, is that the sports become so top heavy. I think you and I agree that the SEC is the deepest of the conferences, correct? Correct. Right. So there are more good teams, more teams that could uh, that could beat even the best teams in that league than there are in any in any other league. Um, now it's different in two div- in the two divisions. I think there's more depth. Uh, I think, at least until recently, anyway, in the West than there is in the East. But now you got Georgia and Tennessee. How good is Florida? Not great. Right. And I also do think that I push back, and that what I've come to. What I've come around on is that SEC is where the most talented players in college football are, but you still do have to go play the games. Right. And talented teams can stink. Teams loaded with four stars and five stars can go out there and not execute well. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M stinks. <laughs> I mean, that's like, if you want to just say, where where are the most talented players in college football? What conference is the toughest to on a week-in, week-out basis? It is true that for the most part, the SEC gives you no breaks. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the sixth team in the SEC West is still loaded with four stars and five stars. And if they've all got it clicking, then you're going to be in trouble, or at least it's right. going to be difficult. And that's where I've started to say, like, I don't want to decide everything based on who would win uh, on a neutral field sure. or what the Vegas odds think or what your power rating is, because those power ratings are determined by the talent on the roster mostly. And we have seen that talent, mm-hmm. especially when it's 18 to 22 year olds come out and stink. And so I would like to also take, you know, your resume and, you know, how you play, how you look, how you execute into consideration as well. All right. Let, let, let's let me let you listen to what you may have already heard this, but I'll play it again. If people just tuning in, cause I played it before uh, here's Joel Klatt from Fox. And this is about his uh, lack of confidence. I'll use juicy that phrase in the Clemson Tigers as a legitimate playoff contender. There's no other team in the country with an easier path to the playoff than Clemson. And it's been this way for quite some time. Quite some time. This is a team that has gotten the benefit of an eight-game conference schedule, uh, not nine, and a ridiculously weak one-team conference. You know, not. I mean, even Oklahoma had, had a tougher gauntlet through the Big 12 to go to the playoff in some of those years than what Clemson has had throughout their tenure, uh, Dabo's tenure in these playoff years. And that's not to to tell you, to say like they didn't have good teams. No, of course they like, they had great teams. They won national championships. So I'm not arguing that they shouldn't go. I'm just saying like, boy, do we really think that they're any good? I don't think so. And, and we're not going to know until the playoff and they're going to be there by the way. So we're really playing for three spots. All right. Thoughts on what Joel Klatt had to say. I think there's some truth there. Oh, yeah. But I, I think actually, he's forgetting a couple of things, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I think he's right, he's wrong, he's right, he's wrong, and he's wrong. <laughs> That's as, as I went through listening to what he was just saying. <laughs> he is right that Clemson has the easiest path to the college football playoff from where we sit right now. All of Clemson's toughest games are in the rear view. Right. And they've won them. They still have a zero in the loss column. They have four games remaining. And the toughest opponent that's left is South Carolina. Yes. And all the games outside of a trip to Notre Dame against a woeful fighting Irish team are going to be in Death Valley. Again, mm-hmm. it is the easiest path 
for all the teams in the country, between where we sit right now and the college football playoff, Clemson has the easiest path. You're 100% right about that, Joel Clatt. You're wrong that it's been that way for quite some time. Thank you. In 2016, a Heisman Trophy winner named Lamar Jackson came four yards away from knocking off the Tigers in Death Valley in a game that I was at and considered you know, one of the better regular season college football environments and college football games I've ever been a part of. The back and forth between Deshaun Watson, a Heisman Trophy finalist, Gosh. and Lamar Jackson, a Heisman Trophy winner. That Louisville team did not lose another ACC game. They were technically co-Atlantic Division mm -hmm. champions after Clemson lost at Pitt, against Pitt at home later in the season. But, you know, who goes to the Conference Championship game is the Clemson Tigers. They go on to not only make the college football playoff, but win the national championship. I would also take it back to North Carolina pushing Clemson to an onside kick all the way back in 2015. Yep. Uh, I would look at the Notre Dame season of 2020 when they were a full conference member and beat Clemson in the regular season, though Clemson won the rematch in Charlotte handily. Listen, it has not always been that 2019 year where Clemson rolled everybody and then put 60 burger on the board against <laughs> Virginia in the ACC championship game. There have been seasons where Clemson has been truly tested. So Joel Clark, you are wrong about the fact that it has been that way for quite some time. I do think he's right that Oklahoma has had some more resistance. Absolutely. And I think that you are benefiting from a nine game conference schedule versus an eight game conference schedule. Mm -hmm. My mild pushback would be that in several of these years, we have seen Clemson play an SEC opponent sometimes on the other team's home stadium as part of a home and home. You know, Clemson in the Dabo Sweeney era has done a home and home with Georgia. Clemson yep. in the Dabo Sweeney era has done a home and home with Texas A&M. Clemson has been in some of these big time games, including against the eventual national champion Georgia Bulldogs just this last season. So, like, yes, Oklahoma has had some more difficult paths. And then I, I do think that he's wrong that we don't know if Clemson's any good because I think that Clemson is very good. I do, I think I, I do too. I don't think... Very good football team. I don't think Clemson is national championship good, but that wasn't the question. The question is, are they playoff good? And they absolutely are. And here's the thing that I also push back on, because it's pretty transparent. This is Joel Klatt slamming the Atlantic Coast Conference when, and it's going to sound like a dirty little secret, but you alluded to it already, Chip, is that how many games this year, when we look back at Ohio State's schedule, are really losable games for them? So I mean, far, Notre Dame. I just mentioned that Notre Dame is like woeful, and Notre Dame's going to end up being like the fourth toughest game that they had to play this season. So, the, in terms of how how good the teams are that they have played, yeah, Notre Dame isn't. Um, I think Penn State's good, but I I've seen Penn State, and I'm not. I don't know that Penn State's all that, but this will be the toughest game I think that Ohio State has played so far this year. This this Saturday. Then the Michigan game, and I think That's we're it. done. Yeah, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland. That's what's left. Maybe ma and the Maryland game is at Maryland. Maybe that'll be somewhat of a challenge, but I don't think so. So what are we talking about, Joel? So if you're going to take that shot at Clemson, who, by the way, plays in the more difficult half of the ACC, if we're going to – they don't play a coastal schedule. It's not like they play Virginia Tech and Virginia all year. So they're playing the more difficult side. Florida State's not easy. I don't think Florida State's great, but that's not an easy game. So I just think that it's just very convenient to take a shot at the ACC because, frankly, the ACC has kind of earned that reputation.
But I just think Joel, <laughs> that, that was just low-hanging fruit for Joel talking to the college football masses, whereas we got a team that you say is the number one team in the country. And I don't disagree with that. And they haven't, really haven't played anybody yet. I think Michigan, we actually tackled this on the Cover 3 podcast. The Michigan fan said, um, Michigan has gotten a lot of heat for its strength of schedule. Why hasn't Ohio State? Right. And the, our response was, that's fair. It's 100% it fair. fair. It is fair. It's just that Michigan came into the season knowing that it was going to be playing three of the 10 worst <laughs> teams at the FBS level. Right. Like they, when you go up against Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, you are asking to be able to see if your fourth quarterback can throw 10 times in a game. Like you are just <laughs> setting up the most depth building, right. just routine going through the motion scrimmages. And look, it allowed Jim Harbaugh to take his quarterback competition into the season. Mm -hmm. Eventually JJ McCarthy does end up winning that job, even though I think they're a much better running team than anything they do at the quarterback position yeah. right now. And Ohio state coming into the season, thought it had a real challenge with Notre Dame coming to town. It is not proven to be that, but Ohio State and Michigan, neither both of them look excellent. Neither of them has a great strength of schedule argument. Uh, I think that a loss for either one of them would endanger their college football playoff hopes in the same way that a loss for the Clemson Tigers would endanger Clemson's college football playoff hopes. Yeah, well, I think there's a practical reason why a loss for either Ohio State or Michigan, which would likely come against the other, would endanger their playoff chances is because they would lose the division and they wouldn't win the Big Ten championship. When we come back, we're going to go through some games for on this week's schedule because even though there aren't that many games that impact clear playoff teams, there are games that indirectly do, and we'll talk about that with Chip Patterson next. Adam Golden studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. I was on your website, and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites. Termites in the financial world are risk, fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio you don't see. So you need a financial exterminator? Well, for the next 10 of you to call, we'll put together for you your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call 888 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Not only should you check out the Sunday morning cover three, which is a recap of uh, everything that happened on Saturday, or at least everything that happened before they, uh, they went to sleep, uh, but you get the upon further review on Monday, which is actually my favorite one, but they're all my favorite. Uh, always check it out, and uh, I love the crew. Uh, I'm a big, you know me, I'm a big Danny Cannell fan. So. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate your kind words. We actually had a meeting this week, and we, the upon further review shows have gotten some love. So, oh, they're great. You, you, you echo the Cover 3 fan base that we, we not only hit you on Saturday night with our in the moment, <laughs> but taking a little bit of time to digest things kind of helps too. So, yeah, two doses of it every yeah. single week. I appreciated you spending time on Will Healy at Charlotte getting got. I actually think it started happening last year. They lost six of their last eight, and they just kind of fell off the cliff. Look, I don't put any stock into anything that happened during the pandemic year. Nothing. Zero. I don't care if you were good. If you're good, great. But bad, I don't care. I'm, I'm just, I can't. What That year was so bad. Forget about for college athletes. It was bad for humans. 
in every way, shape, and form, it was bad for humans. So, um, did you know that if you remove the 2020 season from Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M profile, he is not even an inflation era Kevin Sumlin. He is worse right. than Kevin Sumlin. If you remove the 2020 season from the Jimbo Fisher Texas A&M profile, I well, I I wasn't aware of those numbers. I just know that we're starting to hear, like, is Jimbo really the guy here? It's kind of hard to believe that we are in this place, <laughs> and it's starting. That they suspended three, three of their coveted freshmen from uh, this, uh, you know, high-profile, highly expensive class of incoming freshmen based on <laughs> the alleged rumors or reports right and look and you had the four players uh who were from the freshman class suspended earlier this season yeah. as well and two of them have been suspended in both incidents i mean this is like there is a lot of conversation right now where it's like hey yeah. wait a second dj durkin's on that staff steve adazio's on that staff james coley damian craig it, weird they've got a culture problem yeah the dj durkin thing I'm kind of amazed. I maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm kind of no, amazed that he's a coach. He's look. If DJ Durkin wants to go coach professionals, I got no problem with it. But I have a little bit of no. I, I have a lot of a problem with somebody named D, like DJ Durkin still being able to coach college kids. I just I just have a huge problem with it. But um, I don't know. Maybe there's no room for that mindset in college football. Hey, uh, let's let's keep it going. This is trap week. We got eight ranked teams facing unranked opponents all on the road. Six of those games have single digit spreads. It is trap week. <laughs> all right, Football. but it, it's it's also trap week for a home team. Oh, you, Carolina. No, Tennessee. Oh. It is trap week for Tennessee for Carolina too, but I think it's trap week for Tennessee because they understand that it's all on next week for them against Georgia and Kentucky's good. Now, I don't think Kentucky's great, but I think Kentucky is good and they've especially under uh what is it Mark Stoops have had a very good defense. Can they score with Tennessee? No, their fundamental issue is that they have an offensive line that has regressed. They've lost players to the NFL, they've lost their offensive line coach to Alabama. Mm -hmm. And that group has been uh pushed around. And one thing that we saw from Tennessee uh, already is that that group does all right against the run mm -hmm. and they do all right creating havoc plays. So while Kentucky does have a future NFL draft pick and Will Levis, I think the offensive line play, the lack of real difference makers at wide receiver, some of the injuries they've taken at that position as well, this is not a particularly impressive group. I mean, they, they lost to South Carolina. They lost to Ole Miss. There's not really a super impressive victory. Beating Mississippi State is fine, but even then right. – it was not one that said, can you score? They won 27 to 17 against Mississippi State. They won 26 to 16 against Florida. And I think Tennessee has proven that until they move the hash marks on the college football field, and as long as Hendon Hooker is the starting quarterback, they're going to put up 40. They're going to run yeah. out of the tunnel, and they're going to put 40 on the board. And I just don't think that Kentucky's the type of team that can do that. Yeah, I think the only way this game is close is if Kentucky can figure out how to score enough. And as you said, and I'm Dennis and I were talking about before the before the show. I think this is a 21 point game. I think it's a three touchdown spread. Uh, I think the spread is 12 and a half. I would I like Tennessee giving 12 and a half to Kentucky, but Georgia's next week, and I, that has to have some impact. No, 
No. Okay, I don't good. Think so. I don't, well, yeah. it'll be because interesting if it does. I, I've gone to look, do the look aheads as much on the coaching staff as on the players and sort mm -hmm. of where their heads are at, where the coaching staff might be already trying to, you know, okay. go like, we don't want to do that yet. Or we want to make sure that we can get out of here with like as much vanilla stuff as possible. We want to be able to like save all of our good stuff for next week. And I just think that the offense is so simple already. I mean, the, it is so, so simple and so explosive and productive. And as long, again, as long as Hendon Hooker, who is in total rhythm and sync with his wide receivers right now, as long as he is the starting quarterback and healthy, then Tennessee's going to put up 40 points. And I think Josh Heupel knows that. All right. Uh, let's you, you were, you were going to talk about North Carolina hosting Pitt. Uh, what's the significance of this game for you? If North Carolina wins this game, I think they've pretty much put a wrap on the coastal division because the toughest games left on the schedule are against Atlantic division foes in wake forest and NC state. Right. Doesn't matter what your conference record is. <laughs> if you're undefeated against all your division foes, you're going to Charlotte as the coastal division champion. So right. I think that it is massive for North Carolina in a spot that looks just like Notre Dame, just like the Notre Dame game, North Carolina's defense is coming off a bye. And just like the Notre Dame game, they are going up against an offense that is going to try to use a brutal physicality and an emphasis on the run game to try and bowl you over and move you off the ball. If that North Carolina defense plays off a bye against a physical rushing attack the way it did against Notre Dame, Pitt's going to go into Keenan Stadium and it's going to beat them because Izzy Abanaconda is going to run the ball mm -hmm. 35 times in this game. <laughs> and if you allow him, and he's, I love the way he runs right. because he does have the physicality, but he's got great explosion as well. I mean, this is going to be a challenge on a defensive line that lost Ray Vahasek, the veteran defensive tackle who's been so important to what they do. This is when all those, you know, big recruiting wins, when, when Mac Brown and that staff, when they get to celebrate the four stars and the five stars along the defensive line that they've got on National Signing Day, those players have got to show up against this pit offensive line and this pit rushing attack because Keaton Slovis ain't good. No. If you force Keaton Slovis <laughs> to beat you, then North Carolina should win this game handily. Keaton Slovis alone cannot play keep up with Drake May. Right. The difference between these two quarterbacks is not even miles. Like <laughs> it is time zones between Drake May and Keaton Slovis. But Izzy Abinaconda could go out there and have five touchdowns by himself because he already had six touchdowns by himself earlier this year. So that's where the whole game uh, comes down to. That's why North Carolina is in a trap spot as well. All right, two quick, two other games, real quick before I let you go. And I know you got to be on uh, CBS Sports HQ in uh, in eight minutes. Um, I think the Notre Dame Syracuse game is very big for Clemson, and I think it's big for this reason. I think they need Syracuse to win it. I think Clemson could benefit from Syracuse being a ten-win Syracuse team as opposed to an eight or a nine-win Syracuse team. And that's why I think the Orange have to win this, although Clemson's got to be undefeated anyway. But uh, am I overthinking this? I think you're trying to advance to the end of the season. Syracuse has yeah. potentially more losses. I think it's important because if Syracuse takes this loss to Notre Dame, then we bounce them from the picture entirely. Completely A right. win against Notre Dame at least leaves them in the picture for the top 25. When we all gather around our computers to get angry on Tuesday night, Syracuse with that win probably is in the top 25. And then when we talk about the Clemson Tigers, after that release on Tuesday night from the selection committee, the Clemson Tigers are able to boast wins against Wake Forest win against 
the Syracuse Orange, who would both at that point, I imagine, be top 20 teams. We'll see what happens with NC State against Virginia Tech and sort of where that would fit in as well. So the Syracuse win to me is not necessarily about what you are at the end of the year, but as for Clemson helping them right now, because otherwise we're going to start to see those teams that Clemson has beaten, the toughest opponents on Clemson's schedule, they're going to get bounced from that sort of top 25 picture. And a lot of times at this point in the year, especially when you're an ACC mm -hmm. team, when you get bounced from the picture, you're forgotten. You are forgotten. And finally, uh, very quickly, Wake uh, wake at Louisville, the Wakey Leaks game. Um, I don't think Wake's going to be in trouble here, but it was nice to see Louisville look like a real football team last week. Oh, I thought their offense was bad last week. Oh, Malik yeah, Malik Cunningham was a little bit banged up, but that's a – that was a 24 to 10 win with two interceptions and a scoop and score oh, okay. touch. Like the, it was, it was a good result, right? I mean, it right, got result. Me, yeah, it got me. Yeah, that's a very soccer term, right? Good. I like a it. Good, a good result. Uh, you found a way to get it done. It, it got me a, a Sunday at page farms, you know, to go do the pumpkin patch <laughs> with my family avoided any emergency pods for Scott Satterfield. Okay. But, you know, I, I kind of think Sam Hartman is cooking right now. Yeah, he His is. offense is in total sync. And I, I think that Wake is going to go out there. And it's going to be challenging for the defense. This will be like one of the games that Scott Satterfield is trying to like pull out all of his best stuff to try and get a top 25, top 10 win for the, for the program. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to score enough to keep up. High scoring, Wake wins by at least a touchdown. Chip Patterson. You'll see him on CBS Sports HQ in six minutes. Thank you very much, my friend. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, it's halftime. Go so fast. And now, now, now your halftime half entertainment. entertainment. All right, I'm trying to remember how to do this. <laughs> I don't do it too often anymore. I, I, I got to tell you, <laughs> like, no, no offense. Victoria finds stuff that blow me away. Really? The last couple, like yesterday, she found a story where uh, I think it was in the UK. You can, I don't know where it was. I think it was in the UK. Okay. You can pay, uh, there's a company that will bury you alive and then exhume you. Because they think that it's good for your, essentially good for your soul to uh, to feel that you have been lost. Oh, it was it's a very interesting story. Fifty seven thousand dollars, by the way, to do that. To just be buried alive. Buried alive, but then uh, you're not dead. Okay, I'm gonna say like right. for that. Okay, you're not dead, and then bring you up. But but like there's a whole there's a funeral involved. Think about it. Wouldn't really? you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know who comes to your funeral? Huh. Seriously. Actually, I don't know. Actually, what? I don't think I want to know. Ah, that. the things on on. Uh, I don't think I want to know. In theory, I think it would be good, but then you you if you don't get the answer you want, like I would like to think that over uh, over fifteen people would come to my funeral. 
Yeah, I'd like to think that, yeah, well, for me, either everyone's going to show up or no one shows up. There's no middle ground. <laughs> no middle ground for me. I don't I don't know. I'm downplaying it. Anyway, it's just a morbid thing to it's, think it about. It is. It's, it's a great story. Anyway, good luck. Okay, well, I have something a little bit more enlightening, I guess you can say, uh, for people out there. Stadium Series tickets go on sale tomorrow for the general public. This is Canes hosting the Capitals at Carter-Finley Stadium in February. Really? Because I know a lot of people that were season ticket holders had access early. They released it in tears. I know members of the Junior Canes, their families had ticket access as well. But general public... Tickets go on sale tomorrow. It's through Ticketmaster. I think they start at like 215 bucks. Whatever it is. Something like Whatever that. Whatever it is. It's an it, event yep. that may never come mm-hmm. here again. Yeah. I, but I'll, I will make this statement. It's going to be such a big deal and a great time oh, yeah. that it will come back. Yeah, but it probably won't be for another 10 years, maybe. Maybe a little less. Maybe? Yeah. Maybe a little less. So 2024, Adam's calling it right now. 2024. No, it won't be 2024. But, I mean, I can see it in 30. Yeah. I can we'll see it in 30. Seven years. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That, yeah, I could see that as well. Well, here's the thing. The Canes sold out because uh, all their season ticket members, they I think the NHL, a lot of them, roughly around 18,000 tickets yep. initially. Canes blew through that in moments, basically. Yes. And then the NHL gave them more up so – Total about 30,000 tickets that the Canes have received from the NHL to, again, exclusively sell to season ticket members uh, and other team personnel. They went through that 30,000 tickets like it was nothing. So, Carter Finley seats what? I don't know how many seats are going to be available specifically for this game. But oh, it's going to be in the neighborhood of 55. 55, 60,000. Yeah. So, I have no doubt that this place will, will sell just about every ticket that they can. No doubt at all. Oh, no, it, especially not, it's going to be sold out. Yeah. You say tickets go on sale tomorrow? Yeah, general That's public. when it's going to be sold out. Yes. Tomorrow. So, You'll you know, be done. Keep in mind as well that there are Virginia, a lot of Washington Capitals fans in Virginia that will travel down to this game. 100%. 100%. It's going to be a fantastic event. Yeah. I cannot wait. To and by the way, when they announced it would be a stadium series game, mm-hmm. which was three years ago, Yeah. when they announced it, I told you who the opponent would be, and people yelled at me. Because it was Washington? Because it was, yeah, well, it's not going to be Washington. I'm like, nah, it's going to be Washington. Yeah. Pittsburgh has played in plenty of these, and Pittsburgh would have been the other option. Always remember that Florida and Tampa were slated to play against each other next year. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be either of them. It was always going to be either Pittsburgh or Washington, but Pittsburgh has played in so many of these that it was pretty simple understand it was going to be the cap and i know nashville's had one recently too yeah so i knew they weren't going to do them correct so yeah it all and it, it was always going to be a rival yeah nashville's not a rival no it was always going to be a rival because because they? they didn't believe that the hurricanes would sell this out on their own mm-hmm. and i will say this the hurricanes could play halifax and it would have sold out bring them on bring on halifax exactly come get these hands all right next thing i have for you because I'm here, I have to talk about these things. Big news in terms of the DC entertainment world, DC comics, movies, all those things. James Gunn, who's been the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's also done some other projects with DC films, including Suicide Squad, as well as the Peacemaker series. He's actually going to be DC's lead creative when it comes to film, television, and animation. He's going to do that alongside Aquaman and Shazam producer Peter Safran, who 
basically they're going to serve as co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios, which is replacing DC Films. This is very important because a lot of people like myself want to see, I don't know, some sort of plan when it comes to DC Comics and what they want to do with their entertainment universe in terms of, again, film and television. Do we need to see a plan? Yeah, we do actually. Does it matter? Yes. Like if you just put a cape on a rat... And call it a DC Comics or a well, Marvel Cinematic just, we, Universe. We did just have Super Pets, DC Super Pets that just came then out. Then people are going to go. Well, okay. They are. You're, you yeah. are going to go if they but, put a cape on a radish. No, nah, I don't like radishes. You will. Uh, no. On, on a, well, I'll change. On a butternut squash. If they put a cape on a butternut squash and put a logo on it, you'd go. Sounds seasonal. <laughs> Sounds seasonal. But but here's the here's the thing is that there's a lot of frustration amongst casual fans that there's just no continuity and honestly a lot of the movies had not been that good. Like Wonder Woman 1984 was not a good movie. The Justice right. League movie, the even the pre-Snyder release was not a good movie. DC so it just they put out bad stuff. Sure. Simple as that. They put out bad Look, stuff. Some of the Star Wars movies were bad. Yeah, I know. Right? And I then mean, people are mad about that too. Yeah. I have a light I have a right to yeah, be excited they, they that these go. people are taking over. They still go. Yeah, but not not but here's the thing. It's not it's like for us, like, yeah, the P one listeners are still gonna listen, but it's the casual fans. Those are where that's where they're losing people. Oh, I see. So yeah, having a plan. Is a good thing. Okay. Which leads us into speaking of people in capes, the Batman Two, because of all this, might not hit theaters probably until twenty twenty five. What do you mean the Batman Two? The second there's the the Batman. Oh, that came the ba- out. oh the Batman. The Batman. That's different than Batman. Yes, it is. Can I? I've, I it's like I James saw, Bond. I saw. Well, I have, I have thoughts on James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman with Michael Keaton is Batman. Okay. Right. I saw that one, and he was Michael. He was Batman. The was he the Batman? He was he Batman in the second one of he those. He was. He was the so first the two. The first two. I saw those two. I have seen zero movies with Batman since the second one. Okay. Well, some for some of those awful movies, <laughs> but there are some great right. ones out there. I'm sure. Like the are. Dark Knight trilogy is fantastic. I'm I'm sure it is. And you should definitely go check it out. But I was a I was a fan of Batman the television show the with series Adam West. with Adam West. But it was absolutely campy, over the top, similar to my love of James Bond, where Sean Connery as James Bond. Look, Daniel Craig. The movies changed. It was sort of like how Mission Impossible changed. Mm-hmm. Mission Impossible became entirely. A vehicle for Tom Cruise to do stunts. Yeah. Right? But the show, what the movies were based on, was more suspenseful and intriguing. Yeah. James Bond now is basically, well, no no longer, Daniel Craig with his shirt off. Right? Basically. Daniel Craig with his shirt off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we still have the Bond girls, but Daniel Craig with his shirt off and stunts. That's all Bond became. Yeah. Like, Daniel Craig fighting with a guy on top of a train going at 100 miles an hour and somehow both of them not dying. That's what it's become. Yeah. Which I'm not against. I've watched them all. I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's fun. But it's not the same. This is the Adam Gold Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.